0: You're listening to episode number 11 of the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. Teacher friends, I cannot wait for you to hear this month's guest episode with Sam Holcomb of Engineer Does Education. I met Sam, so to speak, via Instagram, and I have loved following her over the last year or so because I feel like she is my spirit animal in teacher form because she loves two of my very favorite things. She loves systems and she loves simplicity. And this makes sense because she used to be an engineer who specialized in lean, efficient systems and project management prior to jumping headfirst into her lifelong goal of teaching science, which is what she does now. After an overwhelming first year as a department of one, managing seven preps and having no education background, she was exhausted. Realizing this overwhelm was extremely common, she knew something had to change. And now, Sam takes her engineering background and helps secondary science teachers create efficient systems, templates, and freedom to enjoy science again. In this episode specifically, we are talking about her experience balancing those seven preps and her best strategies for success in doing so. I can't wait for you to hear more from her. So without further ado, let's get started. Let's get to today's episode. Hi Sam, how are you? I'm so excited to be here. Oh my I gosh. am thrilled that you're here and I feel especially humbled that you're sacrificing some of your time outside of school to talk to me because you're a mom of three, you're a full-time teacher, you're a content creator. You do so many things.
1: I, I really love being busy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you're really good at it. So in case my listeners aren't familiar with who you are, why don't you just give them a brief overview of who you are and your career thus far and where you are and what you're doing today?
1: Yeah. So I'm Sam Holcomb. I go by engineers education because I actually started out. I have an engineering degree. That's what I went to college for. Worked in industry for quite a few years, um, working for a few multi billion dollar corporations, doing a little bit of everything. And then I went into education, moved to kind of small town Southern Illinois with my husband, and now teach high school science. It started out as a weird road, though. It took me about five years to actually get licensed through everything. Um, It wasn't the most friendly route, but I knew that I wanted to do it. And I have been really enjoying it ever since, but I noticed that there was such a difference between how traditional teachers did things and how I had seen everything done in the business world and businesses are paid to be so efficient and productive mm-hmm. and like reduce waste and reduce cost and all those things. And so now all I want to do is try to help infuse those ideas into individual teachers' lives, because We are experiencing more burnout than ever. We are stressed more than ever. And these corporations have spent years and millions and millions of dollars figuring out how to not have that happen within their business. And we need to treat ourselves and our classrooms like that business.
0: Yes. I love so much of what you said. One, because I'm from a family of engineers. I'm one of the only non-engineers in my family. So I've been surrounded by people with your brain forever. Two... You're so right. And this is one of the reasons why I've loved, I mean, I've met you, I feel like through social media, but I've loved following you and listening to you because I love the way that you think about education. And it really aligns with how I think about trying to simplify it and making it, like you said, to help decrease that teacher burnout. So, okay. So you did an alternative certification program. Were you doing that at night while you were teaching or what did that look like? Because I didn't realize until I ran my secondary science simplified course this past summer, how many teachers come to teaching as a second career after they've been in the field?
1: Yes. And I probably get, I'd say at least two or three messages a month on Instagram asking me how I went from engineering to teaching because there's so many people that want to do it. I know for me, I got into engineering because I wanted to make an impact and a difference and be able to be creative in how I came up with solutions. And I I could do that, but you have such a bigger impact in that area and in the things that you love, which tend to be really nerdy when you're in the classroom, (laughs) you can focus on all those things there. So I, I went through probably the weirdest singular path to get my alt certification. There was actually almost no way for me to get the schooling done because in Illinois, I think you have like two years to be able to finish your degree. And to do that, you have to take their specific classes. And most of them are in person in Chicago and I live eight hours South. Mm -hmm. So that was just never going to happen. So I started doing online classes. And at the time I actually got hired, I was working at a private school, so I didn't need my license. And then I got hired into a public high school. And it turns out one of my students' dads was actually in charge at the ROE of helping people get alternate certification. And there was this It's weird. There's a crazy loophole in the state. So I tested through another state to get their certification that transferred over to Illinois, but I couldn't do it strictly through Illinois. It made literally no sense. And it took me five years to figure it out. And it's so funny
0: too, because it's like listening to you. I'm like, okay, you're a brilliant person who wants to be a high school science educator Like, why can't they make it a little simpler when we have like teacher shortages and we can't find substitutes anywhere? Like you think they make it a little (laughs) bit.
1: Yeah, it's like I I think I was one of two applicants for the position I was hired into. So I was my own long-term sub for four months, I think, while the people were processed. And the only like kind of downside to that is you're paid more like a sub. So if you take time off, you have to like re-accrue the potential to have time off. Wow. It was weird, but you know what? We're here. You're here.
0: Okay. So so are you currently in a public school? Are you in a private? And then also tell us the different things you have taught over the years, which I know is a lot.
1: So we'll just just start from the first year. (laughs) So I was, I interviewed for my first teaching job at a private, it was a pre-K through eight school. And I was... I mean, basically nine months pregnant when I interviewed the school year started when my middle daughter was two months old, had literally no education background. I had subbed for about a year and I knew that like, it was somewhere that I felt good about. Like I would go into math classrooms and like teach the actual subject to the middle and high schoolers. And I loved being able to like actually help them out with it. They didn't really plan on a sub being able to do that. And then I was hired on to teach. All of the middle school math and science, which was earth science, physical science. I was planning on getting to life science, but I actually moved schools before I had to do life science. But then I also taught sixth grade math, seventh grade math, algebra one and pre-algebra. Wow. And two of those, the algebra and pre-algebra were in the same class period.
0: Seriously. Wow. I can't, I cannot even imagine. Okay. So then you moved to public school.
1: Yes. So then I moved to public high school and I, my first year, I was only teaching biology and physical science, which (laughs) that probably seems like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, I've already taught physical science. This is great. And I used (laughs) the curriculum. So like I knew I was ready to go. That's awesome. So I went through those two. And that is also the one that was 2020. So that's when, you know, we kind of shut down. The next year it was physical science biology. And then I added physics, which has been like my dream course. I had always wanted to teach physics, but teaching physics half remote and separated, it was, it was not the easiest thing to do. I know. And it <laughs> takes it was like...
0: so much as a joy out of teaching physics, which is so many of the like fun hands-on things you can do.
1: Yeah. But I'm still glad I got to do it. Even I, I then ended up going on maternity leave. <laughs> um near the end of last year and so now I teach chemistry and high school earth science and then like next semester is technically high school they call it physical science but it's just an extension of earth science so I've been doing like all of the basically geosphere hydrosphere stuff in first semester and then next semester I go into weather and space so I've I've had one course multiple
0: times. I mean, you've really like run the gamut. I still can't get over your first teaching job. So of all the preps that you've ever taught, what's been your favorite and why? And then what's been your least favorite and why?
1: I think my, I really wish I could say physics was my favorite, but it was just such a hard year to teach physics. It's just an outlier Um, year. It was, I really loved biology because I feel like I, there's, there's just so many little weird nuances and fun things you can do in the biology course. Mm-hmm. And there, I mean, we had, everybody thought it was absolutely ridiculous. I loved having a birthday. So we did a let's make a baby unit for genetics. Yes. And kids would be paired up and they would have to like draw out their mutual child and name it. And then we had a birthday party to celebrate all That's of it so after fun. we learned how to do all the crossing. And like, you can, I've just felt like I finally got enough of a grasp on it that I could do things like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay. So you've had an insane amount of preps and that's why I wanted to have you on here because my maximum prep amount of preps I ever had was five. I can't imagine having more like you did originally when you were doing all that math and science. Plus you're each year, you're getting these new preps. You're basically starting over. So Help our listeners know, because there are definitely people out there who have been in your shoes too. How do you even start planning when you have so many new preps all at once too? Like not even just like two things you've already taught plus one new thing, but like all of this going on and all of it being new to you.
1: Yeah. So this year is technically new prep 11 and 12. And (laughs) the only, the only potential new class I still have left is anatomy. And I, I just can't, I told them I will refuse. It's not going to happen my first year with all those preps and not really understanding what I was getting into. I think I made all the mistakes. I was trying to spend, you know, an hour creating each individual completely, totally engaged lesson that was new than anything else we'd ever done. I was trying to personalize everything. I was putting myself in so deep that I eventually just couldn't even get my head above water to get the basics of every class figured out and that was a huge struggle. I mean, I was at school, what I would do is I would come home, I'd put the baby to bed and I would drive back to school and I would stay at school until like 1 or 2 and then I would come back home and sleep. And wow. it was just absolutely not sustainable, but I didn't I didn't know any better. And I look back and there's so many things that I'm glad that I did wrong that first year because now I can like fix them and improve upon them. So like with this year when I knew I was getting two new preps, I Am sourcing every piece of information that somebody already has and using it. I allow myself now, this first year, to just get used to what in the world I'm supposed to even talk about. And then I make so many notes and so many ideas for the next time it comes around. Because if I can reduce the stress now and just have the stress of really like a new school and new ideas and new content to get a hold of, that's enough to like. Keep me busy and focused. And then next year I start adding in a little bit more. I still have some fun things that I mix into it every now and then for me. And I talk about that on my Instagram stories. Like with chemistry, I was getting really burnt out on chemistry really quickly because of that is not necessarily my favorite subject. I'm a physics person. And so I went and added in little things. Like when we come back, we're gonna start with like some baking chemistry science just to like break apart the monotony of like just the core subject content. So I still add that stuff in, but I'm not sitting there saying, okay, how can I make day one, two, and three of this unit all completely new and accessible and fun and engaging? Like everybody leaves my class every day, just so excited to come back the next day. That's just unfortunately not something that you're going to be able to do that first year.
0: You're so right. And I feel like you, we share this in common that we both have a lot of like creative energy. We have a lot of ideas And I think that's true for a lot of science teachers is like, you want to make every lesson this really meaningful thing. But like you said, when you're tackling a new prep, there are so many other factors that you need to be able to focus on that truly the most important thing is just having plans. And I love what you said about just sourcing things from other people and accepting that like a lot of them are going to be good. Some may be great. A lot will probably be bust. But the key is like reflecting and then deciding, okay, next year, how will I approach this? Because there's so much more to teaching outside of just the resource. Like, yes, you can have this awesome resource or you can have a bad resource, but there's so much more around that that you can use. And that's one thing I try to encourage people so much with too, is like, just make a decision on your lesson plan and just run with it. Like, even if Mm -hmm. it's not perfect, like B work is totally fine when you're managing that many preps.
1: And I'll also say, depending on the level of students you have, so like my chemistry classes are mostly sophomores and juniors. I am very open about telling them like, guys, I didn't make these slides. I think that you should write it down this way instead, or maybe you should consider thinking about it this way. And I will in the moment kind of make those improvements as we're going through the material instead of feeling like I have to go and edit that slide the night before every single time. And they're totally okay with that because also if I make a mistake and like it ends up being on an assignment or on a test and I kind of overlooked it, I own that mistake and I say, all right, guys, this is like first year teacher. You get these points just because I made a little oops. It's all right.
0: I think you're so right because it just takes like a dose of humility to be like, okay, there's a difference between being a teacher and being a curriculum designer. And like, no one expects you to have written a textbook. So why is it weird to own the fact that you didn't write this test or you didn't make this set of slides? Like,
1: and oh my not gosh, what being
0: a teacher is about being a teacher. Is so much underst-
1: more. Understanding how long it takes to make one set of slides.
0: Oh yeah. They have no clue. And no. I, I did the exact same thing when I taught AP biology, because that was my year that I had five preps and it was my fifth one. And it was my new one. And I had all this other stuff going on and we were going through the adoption process. And I, I straight up told my AP class, like you did, I was like, this is my first time teaching this. I am making zero of these things. So yeah. <laughs> like you said, like we're going to pull out this Pogle from Flynn. And if that diagram looks weird, like let's figure out what's weird about it together. Or, you know, I used all of my exam questions came from the AP people, AP mm-hmm. classroom. And I was like, okay, like, is this a weirdly worded question? yes, but work with it. Cause that's how the AP exam is going to be, you know, like just do your best and we'll learn together. And I think there's so much that our students can learn with that dose of humility, as long as we're willing to like own it. Cause it's okay.
1: Well, and I know it's sometimes hard as just teachers in general, always want to put absolute best out every time. Like you never know who's going to walk in the classroom yes. and you kind of prepare for that. But if we're going to be honest, if I have a slideshow that somebody else had made a couple of years ago, that isn't completely matched up to what I wish I could talk about, but I bring the energy and enthusiasm from having gotten extra sleep and like not feeling so stressed out that maybe I made a mistake in something that I had put out there just by making it at, you know, midnight, the night before it all kind of comes out in the wash. So if you can just like tell yourself you are being present in the classroom to understand what they need and how to like rearrange and get feedback from that for the next time, then you don't have to worry about all the prep that goes into it ahead of time. That's your trade-off right there.
0: That's so true. And you're going to be able to last in the career long enough to teach the subject again and make those changes and do it the way you want to do it, you know, eventually. Okay. So something you mentioned was using, or you've told me before, is about how you use social media groups for planning. So Mm -hmm. what does that entail? What does that mean? And what kind of would be your tips for doing that? as you're trying to balance all these preps and planning for them.
1: There's just, there's an unlimited and incredible amount of knowledge in these Facebook groups for every single subject. I mean, I found the other day, like an AP chem two high school teacher group on accident, and they were laughing about some chemistry joke. I didn't even understand. (laughs) There's so much out there and people are willing to help you with almost anything that you need. But the thing you have to do is you have to take it all with almost a grain of salt. Do not go into a Facebook group and say, I'm a new teacher. Can somebody share with me any information you have? You need to go in with specific questions, just like we want our students to do. Like, you don't want to go over and they're like, I don't get any of this. You want to say, okay, well, what can I help you with? You need to go in and ask for specifics. Like, Don't try to get a flood of information at once. Don't try to plan three or four months ahead. Try to just get what you need for the next week or two and do that through searching, do that through asking specific questions and like put blinders on for absolutely everything else.
0: Yes. I love that term about blinders because I legitimately remember being in the anatomy teacher group of like 5,000 people. And having to mute the group and like unfollow it for a period of time, because I was getting so many ideas, but I didn't have the capacity to execute. Yes. And I was almost like, I just need to stay in my lane and like, keep doing what I'm doing and not just constantly be inspired. And then also be thinking, oh, well, I should have done it that way. or I wish I had started the pregnancy project in August, but it's November. So it's too late now or, you know, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah. And I, I think too, you have to remember everybody paces so differently and covers so differently that like, I kind of treat the save button on Facebook, like the same method of adding something to a cart on a website and then like never signing in. So it can't save it. Like I will save anything that I think is cool. And then realize that I've never checked my Facebook saves. (laughs) So it's just like, okay, yeah, I'll check this out later. And then I don't, And I feel so much better just feeling like, okay, if I needed it, it's there, but I'm not looking at it right now.
0: Yes. I love that. Okay. So along the same lines, what are some things like you had to say no to in order to balance all these preps? Because I think that's one of the things that's really hard is like, we want to do such a good job and we want to be there for our students and we want to do all the things, but you literally can't when you have more than two preps, I would even venture to say at a time. So what are some of the things from your experience, you've been like, I have to just like, let go of this.
1: So I will say my first year, I was not good at saying no, because I didn't, I don't feel like I really knew what the expectations were going yeah. into it. And I think that's any new teacher. Like if someone offers you a chance to do something or be on some committee, you say yes to it because you feel like you need to. I mean, I still remember I was in a meeting for a regional science fair And they told us the dates that I was going to have to take every single one of my middle schoolers to by myself to have them all present their science fair project. And literally the next morning at six in the morning, I was taking my sixth and seventh graders on an out of state field trip to space camp for five days. And so it was like the most stressful week and a half of my life because I couldn't say no to doing any of that. I was trying to get it all figured out and I was just completely overwhelmed. So the next year when I joined a different school, and I like was going through the evaluation process with my principal. He said, honestly, what you need to kind of think about, but don't think too hard is you need to do some sort of extracurricular to kind of just bump this one category up. And I kind of looked at him and said, I am not capable of doing that right now. And I'm okay with that category on my evaluation kind of lingering behind because of it, but I will help other people out if they need help with certain things. Like I... I don't think I've taken on a single extracurricular activity since that first year. And I even then took, I made up an art club or arts and crafts club. And I did um, a science club in my spare time. I don't have spare time, but I was already (laughs) at the school. So it worked. And I just haven't done anything since now. Will I do tutoring if a student needs it? Of course. But I am very conscious now. I give myself 30 minutes after the bell rings to get anything I need done, done. And I leave and I only grade for certain periods at night if I need to grade. And I'm very, very specific now about setting those boundaries on when my school life needs to end. And it is hard with new preps. It is so hard, but there are also ways that we can cut out so much excess. And a lot of that is using those materials that are already out there for you. Mm -hmm. And then being smart about how you grade things and how much you assign. And I think that's a lot easier now with all of our digital projects. and like. Google can do auto grading forms and all those sorts of things. And if you're willing to take advantage of that, saying no feels a lot better because you can't be the person in the classroom if you don't have a person outside of the classroom.
0: You're so right. I could not agree with you more. And I love how you had that conversation with your admin because I remember having a similar one, like my first year at private school, they kind of let me teach all the things, but I didn't have a ton of extracurriculars. And then, you know, at my eval was the same thing at the end of the year that I was asked to coach cheerleading. And I was like, y'all, this is a safety concern. Like, I I don't know how to do this. I've never done this. And I definitely don't have the time. But I circled back and was like, okay, are there other options? Like, if I need to do an extracurricular for part of my job, what are the other options? And I was given several choices to consider. And that's when I ended up choosing student council because it fit better with my abilities and interests and time. But I love that you were willing to even just be like, I'll just take like a low mark on this because at the end of the day, like you said, you having boundaries and having a life outside of school is so much more valuable. I would love to know, is there any other like conversations you've had with admin? or Are there other ways your admin have supported you as you have balanced all of these preps? Or is everyone at your school balancing all the things? Or what does that look like with your relationship with your admin?
1: So got a new school this year. So I've got a new admin that I'm kind of just getting used to. And honestly, there's so many other things happening this year that I haven't had to. I mean, I guess luckily I haven't really had to build much of a relationship with my admin this year and they're very trusting in us and they, they will always back us on what we say and what we need. And it's just, it's amazing to have the right admin in your court. But I will also say this is my first year really having a true department. And that has been a lifesaver. Um, I've never taught the same class as somebody else at the same time. And now that I have that, that is that's another way that I've been able to just lean into other people and their expertise a little bit. And we can balance each other and help each other out because we all have things going on. We all have so much happening, but we all also want to help each other. So yeah, I, I have always found that it has never hurt me to be as open as I'm comfortable with in any case, whether it's with my students, with my colleagues, with my admin. If there's something that I'm feeling, if there's something that is keeping me up at night or is just putting stress on me, if I can just tell somebody about it that will understand, then it's it's gone. For me, at least that's worked really well.
0: Yeah. I think that's such a great point. I think I strive so much, especially in the beginning to have this like persona as the teacher and the student relationship. And then when I started being more open and vulnerable about the fact that like I am a person and my students are people and I can be more relational. And then that allows me to like love and care for them better is huge. Especially like you said, if you have stuff going on outside of your life, it helps you to also remember that they have stuff going on outside of their lives too. And then it creates this mutual relationship that's just so much more supportive.
1: And sometimes I think it's easy for people to forget. We hear all the time, like, remember what your students are going through. And so it's sometimes easy for everyone to forget the teacher side of things. Yes. And I just like, even thinking through the, at this point, it was the recent TikTok, like fake challenge that had come up right before Christmas break everything was everybody saying, I'm worried about my student taking this final. I'm worried about this. And all I could think to myself is I'm worried for your students too, but I'm also worried, you know, teachers are involved in all these things. Teachers have to deal with all these things too. And so if we remember that the delicacy that we have to treat our students with is how we need to treat ourselves and our colleagues, gosh, man, it's just, you give yourself so much more grace once you've kind of gotten there.
0: You're, So, right, Sam. And I love those words of delicacy and grace. Like the amount of grace that you show to your students should be the same grace that you show to yourself. And I think that's so true. Are there any other things, resources, tools, strategies you've used that have really helped you in aiding your balancing? You shared so much good stuff, but I want to make sure I don't close the door on that. If you have anything else,
1: yeah, I will say a couple things that have really helped me. Honestly, Angela Watson is just like. I don't know how this woman has all of this knowledge on everything she does. She is somebody that I turned to very early on in my first year, trying to learn how to cut back on different things. And she has a 40 hour teacher work week club that if you can't figure out how to save your time somewhere, she has so much information available. And I, I, I've still yet to actually complete the whole course and I bought that my very first year, but I take little tidbits of it every once in a while and I can start applying that when I need a little bit of a break and that's helped so much. Also, gosh, don't be afraid to go on Teachers Pay Teachers. <laughs> don't be afraid to get the help from the other people who have, you know, there's reviews out there to tell you what worked and what didn't. The people who have taught it before, who have gone through all of these tough lessons ahead of time. I mean, I own, I think at this point, five or six TPT curriculums, and I have regretted absolutely zero of that money because it has saved me over and over again. And then I can take it and modify it whenever I feel comfortable and whenever I need to. It's just crazy how much information is out there and how much we kind of like struggle to ask for or take the help that could be given to us in those Mm -hmm. different forms All I'm saying is if you have something in your cart on Teachers Pay Teachers, if you're thinking about it really hard, it's probably worth the two or three dollars that you're willing to spend on it to Mm -hmm. see if it's if it's going to change an entire 24 hour day for you.
0: That is so true. And I remember like not even knowing what Teachers Pay Teachers was. And then when I found out about it, because someone told me like, hey, you're doing all this work, you should sell it on teachers pay teachers. I was like, wait, I, I could be using this too for like all these other classes. Like I had no idea. And I think, especially in a situation like you've been in and I, my most recent teaching job where you're the only person like mm-hmm. you don't have a team. Cause my first teaching job, I was one of five biology teachers. Like I had this whole, I know it was a huge school. I had, I remember I was so bummed at first because like everyone just kept telling me what to do. And I felt like I had no creativity or autonomy whatsoever. But then, like you said, I had, I didn't realize how much else was going into it and how much it gave me the space to focus my energy on like figuring out how to manage a class or figuring out Mm -hmm. a parent communication system, like all these other things. But especially then when I switched to private school and it was like, okay, I'm the Lone Ranger teaching all of these things it's such a like you need to have support somewhere even if that teacher is a stranger on the internet not someone in your building so i couldn't agree more with you yeah. on that
1: and i will say that is probably one thing that if i would have known more my first year in private school like not coming from an education department at a college i i wish i would have been able to find other people in a similar situation but with more of those resources available to them and like created almost like a mastermind, you know, where you're just getting together and checking in and saying, okay, maybe creating your own virtual department of, of people that you can go to with ideas and rely on because it's true. And until this year, when I've taught something at the same pace as somebody else, I never realized how helpful it can be. It does feel like it kind of cuts your creativity a little bit, but just knowing that there's other people you can turn to. Like the other day, I I assigned a project for a unit and I had a student who, um, I guess he broke his back his first quarter. So he was still catching up work. on all the other quarters and I didn't want him to have to do a project. And so I was able to just go to the other earth science teacher and say, Hey, did you write a test for this? Can I use that for this student? And to save me the time of writing a hundred point test <laughs> Just because somebody else was already doing the same thing I was doing at the same pace I was doing it was absolutely amazing,
0: yeah, that is such a game changer, okay. so last but not least, when I have a guest on the podcast, I want to ask them to end our time together by sharing one way that you have simplified your life recently. And I know you're so good at this, so I can't wait to hear what you <laughs> say, but so this could be a life hack. It could be an organizational tool, a new habit you started, anything that is currently making your life, whether that's inside the classroom or out, what is making it more simplified?
1: Yeah, this is literally what I work on on a day in and day out basis. I am kind of obsessed. I If I was still in engineering, I would go into lean manufacturing where you're literally like trash cans. I have an entire highlight on my Instagram on how to effectively place trash cans in your classroom to save you time and energy. (laughs) It's absolutely ridiculous. But right now, honestly, the biggest thing that has changed my life in school and at home this quarter, I'd say is going through a minimalism journey and not like to extreme minimalism. But one of the things that has really stood out to me is if something is overwhelming you, You need there to be less of it. So Mm -hmm. in my classrooms, I mean my first classroom, I inherited from a 27-year veteran of the same position. There was just all this stuff. And science teachers are specifically like really great at hoarding because we know that everything can be useful for something someday. So I when I was getting ready for my classroom, I have two cabinets. And that is it. I do I refused to bring anything else that could not fit into those cabinets. And you know what? I have almost never needed anything else. And it's so much easier for me to like, know that I don't have all this stuff laying around, but also when I'm overwhelmed from grading assignments, I stop giving assignments for a little bit. I cut that out in my yes. classroom when I'm at home and I, I mean, laundry is my hugest nemesis. And I had like four loads of laundry still to go put away the other day because I just like, will find any excuse not to do it whatsoever. Even I'll grade instead of putting away my laundry. It's <laughs> And I stopped and I was like, why am I so overwhelmed by this? I still have so many other clothes that I can wear. I was like, that's the problem. I have Mm. way too many clothes. If I can cut back on that, then I will never be able to get to four piles of laundry ever again. So every time I get stressed or overwhelmed, now I'm looking at it and saying, what is my opportunity to like literally reduce this by reducing the amount of stuff? And I it's love been that. such a weird game changer. I mean, my goodwill loves me right now. <laughs> but if <it's laughs> you're on the frequent flyer, can, yeah, anybody can do it right now. Like what is overwhelming you think about it? If it's your schedule, like what can you say no to? If it's like a pile of something, what can you get rid of?
0: That's so true. When in doubt, cut it out.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> That's I don't so even, helpful. I don't Marie Kondo anymore. I don't say, do I love this? I just say, I'm just going to get rid of you. It's fine. <laughs> Right. I'm just overwhelmed, period.
0: Yes. I love that. Okay. So, Sam, how can our listeners connect with you or find you after hearing you on the podcast?
1: I am mostly over on Instagram at engineer does education. I also have my website, engineer com, where I'm constantly trying to give you some sort of material that is going to cut down and simplify either tasks in your life or at school. And then I also have my Inj Does, oh, Engineers education was too long for Etsy, but it's ENG does EDU shop on Etsy where I try to put out some fun little science-y nerdy shirts that are not like super masculine because most of them are. (laughs) And I just try to have a good time answering any questions anybody has. I'm always on a pursuit of simplifying and being more productive in every point of my life so that I have more time to do anything else
0: anything else that you want to do. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm seriously so grateful
1: for your time and all of your wisdom that you shared. Oh, you're so, I'm so glad we finally got to talk. We literally have been like on Instagram for just years. <laughs> I know. Like I've been in your DMS for so
0: long, just chatting with you. So it's so fun to feel like we got to have a real life conversation, even though it's still a real life zoom conversation. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to check the show notes for the links we mentioned so you can stay in touch with Sam. Also, if you've been enjoying the podcast these last two months, we would love it if you would follow us so that you never miss an episode. And please leave a review wherever you prefer to listen so that other teachers can find this podcast more easily. We are so grateful for your support here at It's Not Rocket Science and the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. All right, teacher friends, that wraps up today's episode. If you're looking for an easy way to start simplifying your life as a secondary science teacher, head to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge to grab your classroom reset challenge. And guess what? It's totally free. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you here next week. Until then, I'll be rooting for you, teacher friend.